Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. <laughs> What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Friday edition of the podcast. We are going to wrap up our series that spanned the last, I guess, five of the last six shows uh, that we, we recapped the rookie seasons of the five 2018 first-round quarterbacks and we finally made it to Lamar Jackson Day. I don't know if people noticed this, but the order that we went in was the draft order, the reverse draft order. And so Lamar Jackson, the only playoff quarterback from those five, he gets the uh, to go last year on this Friday. And Kyle, welcome to the show. It's Lamar Day. Lamar. This should be fun. The, the rookie quarterback who made the playoffs. Yes, he did. Playoffs? The only one, Kyle. Playoffs? I just hope we can win another game. How was that? Uh, yeah, it was, that was good. That was good, Jim Mora. Um, yeah, yeah. Gotta love it. Gotta love it, Kyle. Um, this has been a fun series, and uh, Josh Allen's still the champion of of listens. He yeah, beat Baker, Baker Mayfield. Close, he did. Baker he gave close. him a he gave him a strong run. Josh oh, Allen. Nelly. So we'll see if Lamar, let's see if Lamar Jackson can be the most listened to episode. So let's deliver some good information here for the people uh, by, I guess, starting with uh, what we thought of this man entering the league. Yeah, yeah, we were. Can, uh, before we do that, before we do that, how do you, how cool, like I thought about this again today. How badass was it that he didn't run a 40? He didn't do anything. He didn't do like, anything. Uh, you know him <laughs> fast. I got to run one. There's a little part of me that that hurts knowing that I'll never know really how fast he could run, though. But I think it was the ultimate power move. You guys oh, want to talk sure. about me as a receiver? Yeah. You want all this buzz? Well, guess what? You're not going to know how fast I am. Because <laughs> if he runs four three, it gets stupid, right? It gets right. stupid. He's like, ah, you guys, no, I'm not doing it, not doing it. Power move, right, and I love it. Real quick, yeah. What do you think Kyler Murray runs? Uh, I don't know, four While fours. We're talking about four. fast as shit quarterbacks. Four fours. I don't think he's as fast as Lamar. No, I don't think he is either. Because Lamar had like that easy speed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you watched Lamar at Louisville and we we both saw him live at Multiple college times. level. Yeah. Multiple he times. blows up angles. Yeah. And not to say that, that Kyler can't. No. But, but it's different. Yeah. I think Lamar did it in more high traffic. You know, you know what Kyler Murray has that speed. You know, when you think about a guy getting a leadoff run there from first base and turn around oh, and getting sick. Has he considered playing baseball? He'd probably be pretty I don't, good. Yeah, I thought he'd be a pretty good baseball player. Okay, Lamar Jackson. Range in center field. <laughs> yeah, the, those you, you, you throw it. You can throw runners out at the plate, man. Yeah, he's got a great uh, arm. <laughs> geez. Okay, Lamar Jackson, Kyle. Uh, want me to go first here with the pre the pre draft eval? Uh, no, because you did. Baker first. Yes. All right. So well, go ahead. First. All right. Just want to make sure you're ready. His best trait was his arm strength. His worst trait was decision making. 
His optimal scheme fit and role, quarterback Lamar Jackson, has all-world potential but requires patience and continued coaching to help him meet his ceiling. Jackson has a potential has potential as a game-changing quarterback for a franchise, but has incurred more incurred risk given his playing style and need for consistency passing downfield. My NFL comparison was Michael Vick. These big-armed, explosive, fast runners don't come around very often. Uh, two of my traits, categories for further context. I talked about uh, progressions, has been seen making more developed reads than given credit for, offers experience with a lot of isolated reads courtesy of layered routes and high-low scenarios, showed more rhythm as a passer in 2017, his last year, to work through progressions and throw at the top of the drop. Decision-making, which was my area of concern, can allow pl- uh, pressure to fluster and make some poor decisions with the football when unbothered or throwing on the move is clean with targets, much more effective in dishing out to open receivers, was more receptive to checkdowns in 2017. Yeah, and that was a good point there uh, that I remembered as you were saying there that he did take such considerable strides there from 16 to 17, which I love seeing. I love see guy, seeing guys get better. Um Kyle, this is my summary on Mr. Jackson before the draft. Jackson offers a unique blend of elite ability as a runner to create with the ball in his hands, arm strength, and flashy accuracy that will make him a difficult quarterback to defend at the next level. While he needs growth mechanically and with his pocket awareness, Jackson's rare dual threat ability, uh, excuse me, rare dual threat playmaking upside is capable of shouldering a highly productive NFL offense. His best fit is in a scheme that will allow him to use his legs and ability to make leverage throws. Jackson may need to sit for a year to develop his mechanics and pocket skills, but he has starter upside by year three. He has the makeup of a dominant playmaker because of how his skill set forces defenses to play him. Okay, so I think we were pretty fair there. Yeah, I, I feel very good now that uh, I've written a report and seen him, you know, I guess start half the season now for the Ravens and into the playoffs. Now, one thing we did not cover. Yes. What quarterback was he in your rankings? Four. QB four. Four. You had him behind Baker, Rosen, and Darnold, correct? Yes, that's right. I had him three slotted ahead of Sam Darnold. What position was he on the big board? 60. 60. I had 29. Wow. So there is some discrepancy there, which if he hits his ceiling, I'll be able to hang that over your head a little bit, but you can hang Josh Allen over my head a lot. So yeah, I hope that happens. Shut the hell up now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fun fact, Lamar in his rookie season uh, surpassed his college completion percentage. Did you know that? That, that is impressive. Can I make one comment here? No. I think this is a, no, and I'm going to. Uh, I'm taking the floor. Oh, okay. I think right. this is a really good example of why you need to pay attention more to what we say about a prospect than our and rankings. less about the number. Yeah, right. I mean, I, did you read my summary? Read through this damn report. If you got, if you if you don't have my Lamar Jackson report, I'll send it to you. DM me. I'll send it to you. Read what I said about him. Don't get caught up that he was my 60th player on the board. Right, Anyways, and I, I digress. We we were both that way on Patrick Mahomes too. Right, we read the report. Yeah. Super high in the big board rankings, but like you read the summary, and I use the world or word uh, potential perennial all pro in his report. Right. It's just right. how are you going to know where he lands? 
You gotta, right. I don't want to say you're hedging your bets because it's not what we're doing, but you have right. to account for it. And that's why when we talked about Sam Darnold, it's the risk assessment. Yes. There's yes. more risk involved with those players. And that as us player or us scouts not grading for a team, we're naturally going to have to account for higher risk is going to result in a lower place on the board. It was funny listening to Mayock talk in his presser, how excited he was about not having a scout for all 32, you know, just what, what do you want, Paul Gunther? What, you know, yeah, what do you Mike's want? John now. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what's sca- one set. Of yeah. Make it a little easier. No longer worrying about 32, but uh, anyways, yeah, I want to get back into Lamar here, but I think that was a good opportunity to kind of plug some important context when we talk about these context? players. No. Yeah. Context. Right, right, no. right. So uh, I watched a fair amount of Lamar living in Delaware. Uh, I saw Kansas City game. I saw Chargers game. I saw Browns game. So I saw several starts for Lamar. Uh, Joe, I don't know how much you had the opportunity to watch him live throughout the course of the season, but I'll say this. uh, Baltimore was very selective with Lamar, and I don't mind it because they needed the extra dynamic. This was a rushing offense that was horrible. They insert Lamar into the the starting lineup, and out of the bye week, I think they ran for over 200, 200 yards in four of their first five games. Their time of possession after the bye week bubbled to like 36 minutes with Lamar in the lineup because they could change the the style of play and the impact of Lamar with the rushes. You know, he had 147 rushes for 695 yards and five touchdowns on the ground, and, and that speed variable... No, the passing stats aren't what you're expecting from a traditional franchise quarterback. But at the same time, this was a very different offense with Lamar Jackson in the game. And it was because he stressed you in different ways and he gave you headaches for how are you going to account for the edge now? Because you got Gus Edwards running up in between the tackles and Lamar is consistently running mesh point reads and he has the opportunity to keep the ball. And if you're not accounting for him outside and doing that, by displacing linebackers in between the tackles, you're going to get burned. And if you displace in between the tackles, Gus Edwards is getting the ball and he's probably going to get a nice chunk game. So they really put teams in a bind with the way they used him. And that's again, why I've been such a high proponent of John Harbaugh being one of my options for coach of the year, because they took in the bye week mid season. It was a week 10 bye week. They changed quarterbacks, completely changed their offensive identity, and they allowed Lamar Jackson to do just enough as a passer to continue to keep teams off balance. And I think they did an excellent job of it throughout the course of the season. If you're expecting a drop back 40-time a game passer, you're going to be disappointed, but get over it. He was very effective, and I think he'll get better as a passer in time. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that you just kind of look at with with Lamar and, and how different this team was after the bye, and you know they're coming off a stretch where they had lost four out of five games, and and we weren't talking about Baltimore as a playoff team, and lo and behold, they insert Lamar Jackson, he wins six of seven, and they win the AFC North. I mean, that, that speaks for itself the impact that he had on this team with the the, the signature thing being different is him at quarterback. And I love that. I love how he was able to change the dynamics of this offense and the dynamics of the course of that season uh, for Harbaugh and the Ravens. Uh, Kyle, I mean, I watched a good bit of Lamar this year. Uh, love, 
love the just how dynamic he makes that offense and how difficult it is to defend. I mean, that's that's just it. His presence in the lineup. Yeah, yes, he's got a long way to go in terms of of being a, a consistent thrower and winning from a traditional sense. But his presence and, and the stress that it puts on defenses, uh, it's difficult, right? I think you're going to see a lot of uh, philosoph- philosophical. Uh, picks made by some of the teams in his division to match up with him. There's going to be some interesting picks made. You, you heard that uh, from from John Gruden. Actually, just going back to that that uh, presser, how how much he was talking about how defending Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense is going to dictate the moves they make this offseason. I think you're going to see a lot of cause and effect there uh, with the AFC North. Now, one thing that I wanted to kind of bring up here is is we talked a lot about with Josh Allen and sustainability and the evolution and will this work? And so I want to put that on you in this situation, you know, given how much uh, stuff was schemed up and, 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 you know, a lot of zone read, a lot of different things like that. What do you see in terms of this evolution and sustainability of Lamar in the capacity that he plays right now for this to be, you know, a thing that wins for years to come? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think the question you have to ask yourself is not necessarily how many carries does Lamar have? How many times does Lamar get hit? You have to track the hits because if he's sliding or running out of bounds after a five yard gain, I don't care. You could do that all day long, you know, but uh, I I look back at the comparison that I had with uh, Mike Vick in the pre-draft process. And you, you look at the ways in which, Michael Vick won and the the team success that he did and did not have and the ways in which he had it. And Mike was a very non-traditional passer as well. Mike completed 56% of his career passes. His first six years in the league, he played in Atlanta and he completed 53.8% of his passes. So there is a blueprint here in that same time. Uh, Mike carried the ball, uh, Let's see, in 2001, 31 times in eight games and two starts, 113 times in 15 games, 40 times in five games, 120 times in 15 games, 102 times, 123 times. Uh, That was it for his career in Atlanta. So, yeah, this is just going to have to be one of those guys where you hope he stays healthy, and the way to do that is to mitigate the touches. Well, Lamar in seven games had more rushes than Mike Vick had in any season in his NFL career. So, no, I do not think that component of this is is sustainable. You're going to have to put more on his plate as a passer, and he's going to have to get better at it. Yeah, and I think it's interesting you use the word blueprint there because I think that matters, right? There is a blueprint for this to to, to evolve, uh, just like with Josh Allen. You mentioned when we talked about Josh Allen was Cam Newton and the Panthers and what they do, and I think that those are very good parallels for both both examples. And yeah, one one thing that's really encouraging about talking about Lamar and him have, him evolving and becoming a you know more consistent pocket passer to complement all the dynamic things that he does. I don't want that to ever not be a big part of what he does, but it is the growth that I already alluded to from sixteen to. 17 right we've already from 17 to 18 he's he's playing in the nfl right like there's growth like don't tell me there's not growth right you even mentioned in the pre-show he actually improved his completion percentage right from college in his first year in the nfl so we're seeing an ascending player now for for multiple seasons and i think just like what we talked about with josh is that having this full season right now they went into this season 
you know, Joe Flacco's the guy, and you can tell that there was packages and a piece of this offense for Lamar Jackson, but he wasn't the guy. Well, that's going to be really different this coming offseason, and he's going to be able to focus, and this team's going to be able to be built around him. And so, yeah, I do see this continuing to evolve for him continuing to grow and the scheme continuing to become more dynamic so I, I i'm really excited we already know they can play defense in baltimore right now you've got this brewing on offense and this is going to be a problem here in the afc north for a long time it's going to be some fun battles between what cleveland's got brewing and what baltimore's got brewing this is a couple good teams on the rise here Right. So it's like, again, what we talked about with Josh, where if you have the same exact player this time next year, then you're in trouble. Then you need to start asking hard questions. But where he's at right now versus where he is, was when he came into the league, where he was when he started his Heisman Trophy winning season in 2016. You love where he's at. Yeah. And you see nice throws from shoot. He he just I think. I think it was one of the Chargers guys was doing a film review of Lamar in advance of the playoff game. And they had a play where he's rolling out to his right and he throws an accurate ball over top of a, a receiver sh- sitting in the, the shallow areas of the field between five and eight yards and a defender glued on his hip, put touch over that receiver and defender and hit a crossing pattern in stride 15 yards down the field. You see flashes of it. It's now... What do you need to do to allow him to feel more comfortable as a passer within the pocket? Is that more quick game? Is Do you need guys that separate quickly at the line of scrimmage? Do you need guys that can separate vertically and stack coverage? I don't think so because I think of his strengths and weaknesses as a passer, and he's accurate on the move, but when he's throwing outside the numbers from within the pocket, that's where you saw some lapses in his accuracy. So. If I'm looking for where Lamar can improve as a passer and what's necessary, I think a lot of this will come down to philosophically, how do you want want to run your passing offense and not asking him to take a lot of 20-plus yard shots outside the numbers from within the pocket. That's not his game. You can't play it like that. So with that in mind, thinking about building this team around Lamar moving forward, like when you look at it right now, there's there's not a whole lot, I think – well, maybe there'll be some difference. I mean, the receiving core, uh, John Brown, he's a free agent. He's our leading receiver this year. And there's some grumblings that potentially Michael Crabtree will be will be released. Uh, and then, you know, Willie Sneed remains. And so, you know, there's going to be some new faces here in this wide receiver room. And I think that they're going to be in good position to draft one in the first round if they want to. Um, again, the same receivers we've been talking about for the last five days are in play here. But uh, is there is it when you think about the draft specifically, Kyle, is there a wide receiver that you think is a great match for Lamar in this offense? Well, I could tell you what they don't need, and that's a tight end. No, they don't need a tight end. <laughs> they took We're one good in there. The first and the third round in 2018. They took one in the second round of Max Williams for 2015. And somehow University of Delaware product Nick Boyle continues to sit atop the depth chart. Well, that's what's interesting. That the thing there is Boyle and Williams are both free agents this, this coming right after the season. So we'll see if they're retained. Uh, but you, I mean, Andrews and Hayden Hurst, you get, you drafted those two guys with this in mind, right? So, right. right. So uh, if you're going to retain from that group, you're probably going to retain only one and it's going to be the right. cheaper one of the group. I right. Think Boyle's right. got a better chance of coming back and he's a little bit of a better blocker than, either Andrews or Hurst, in my opinion. I think that's where his value lies. 
receiver group. Well, there, I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I got one. I got one that I, I, I like for uh, kind of a multi-purpose reason. Give it to me. Uh, the re- the, in, in, uh, the receiver I like for this team is Calvin Harmon. And it's NC State wide receiver. Um, I think Harmon, obviously, he's he's that power forward type guy. He's a catch point guy. He's a guy that if Lamar wants to make throws against man coverage and, and trust that his receiver is going to go get it with some good catch radius, I think that obviously Harmon gives him that. But I get excited about Harmon because I think he's like I think he's probably the best blocking wide receiver in this class. And when you think about uh, Lamar as a runner and some of the quick game and, and scheme stuff that they do, having a guy that's willing to square up guys in space and, and move bodies out of the way and create for his teammates. You saw a ton of that with Calvin Harmon. So for obviously the reasons, the, the receiving skill set that he offers and the ability to beat press coverage, but also his ability to as a blocker, I think really, really meshes well and gives them an alpha uh, that would, uh, would be a good multi-purpose uh, you know, weapon for them on the boundary. Call me crazy. I want more separation guys for Lamar. This has been a philosophical thing with me versus right. You and in the mock drafts and with Baltimore right. fans, but right. Lamar's more of a general accuracy guy to me than a pinpoint accuracy. So him throwing back shoulder fades and you no know, 50-50 balls on, on vertical nine routes and stuff like that or post patterns, I don't know how confident Lamar's ever going to be throwing those balls because he's a high-variance passer in those situations. You give me a guy like Hollywood Brown, you get me a guy in the middle rounds like Stanley Morgan. Guys that have speed can get off the line of scrimmage quickly and are going to stack guys quickly and they're going to run past you if you try to play man coverage against them. And if you play zone, those guys will have the ability to stretch zones and create space in the middle of the field for these established tight end targets that they have. I think spacing is a big thing with Lamar. I think you need to be able to have guys that can space versus man coverage and have the ability to space and stretch against zone coverage. So for me personally, the power forward guys don't really do it for me for Lamar going forward. So I would rather have separation. I hear you. We've, we've, uh, we've teetered on that for what every show now, (laughs) every single one. Yeah. Everyone. I want the power forward and you want the, uh, the, uh, the 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 separator, and uh, I think I guess what I would maintain with with my position on this is that I don't think that they're not separators. I'm not sure how consistently Calvin Harmon's going to separate. Yeah, we'll see. That's, see I, I was more underwhelmed yeah. with him than what I was hoping and anticipating on being. And I know I've communicated okay. to, to that to you before. Well, I know it. I know it. I know it. it's going to be something we're going to talk about for years to come, Kyle. Now, Him and Garrett Bradbury. But Listen, I have one parting thought on the Baltimore Ravens roster. Okay. I want Daryl Henderson on this team. Well, that's interesting. So look at this running back room. Gus Edwards, he's an exclusive rights free agent. He'll be back. Alex Collins is a restricted free agent. Buck Allen's a free agent. Ty Montgomery is a free agent. So we're going to have some 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 overall here in this running back room outside of Gus Edwards. Gus is a nice hammer between the tackles. He's a big, tough runner. He's six foot one, two hundred thirty-five pounds. The dude can bang. Get uh, imagine running zone concepts. With Lamar and Daryl Henderson at the best point. Yeah, it'd be a real problem. I Holy wouldn't want to mess with that. How, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. That'd be really good. 
Uh, quick comment on the offensive line here. Sure. I think we got three building blocks, Kyle. We've got Ronnie Stanley, good player. Orlando Brown, Heck good yeah. player. That that line, yeah, yeah, that worked out, right? The worst combine anyone's ever had in the history of life. Uh, winds up being a, a pretty good right tackle right away in his NFL career, and obviously Marshall Yanda is back. Now, Matt Skura is their starting center. He's a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, exclusive rights free agent, so he'll probably be back. I think he's a replacement-level player, and then obviously Alex Lewis at left guard. So I don't think we're screaming with a big need here on this offensive line, but I think some more competition on the interior you know, whether that's in free agency or with some draft picks it is absolutely necessary to kind of solidify things up front. But I really I'm, like the tackle group and obviously Yanda. I'm sure they're missing Ryan Jensen, who went to Tampa in free agency last year. Yep. When, yep, they sure are. They sure are. If I, I was, don't think if, Bradley Bozeman's going to give them anything. No, yeah, I'm not high no, on no, him. No, 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 no. So if, I, if I'm looking for an offensive lineman, I'm looking to replace the center. And uh, however you feel like you can get that done. How about uh, Dalton Risner playing center? we got to make sure he can snap. But uh, Risner is one of the most technically sound blockers in this class. I love him. You see uh, Roto World put out a blurb and NFL scout said he was a seventh round player. That's bad. Whoever He's a liar. Said that's He's a liar. <laughs> yeah, don't pay attention to that guy. That's a bad take. Boo this Rizner's man. stud, right? like man. A, <laughs> yeah. He's a beast up front. So <laughs> yes, I mean the, the concept of, of guy played tackle, you know he's got some range to him. Yeah. He can uproot you at the line of scrimmage. So you've got gap and power capabilities there. He's do, he doesn't have great foot quickness and he doesn't have great length, but you don't need either one at center when you're playing a little bit more in the phone booth against the heavy hitters. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Imagine having an interior or a, a right side of your line that's Risner playing center, provided he can snap, Gand and Orlando Brown. And Bodies will be moved out of the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a good so, trio. Yeah. Uh, I think Baltimore has the opportunity. And it, this is, we've talked a lot about supporting casts and the need to address a lot. I don't think Baltimore needs to address a whole lot. It's just going to come down to, offensive philosophy and player development more than anything else. Well, I, I mean, I do the wide receiver positions is sure. very unsettled in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, especially if, if Crabtree's cut, which I mean, at this point in his career, what does he really give you? I mean, John Brown, are they going to bring him back? He was a leading receiver, but he's going to want some, some good money. I'm sure. So I think that there's going to be some, some receivers that need to be brought in it's some more depth at running back and more, more competition at interior offensive line and probably figuring out a tight end for tight end three. But I mean, yeah, not I household have, overhauls here. Not like a, not like the jets and the bills in in the Cardinals, right? Like they're right. in a much better position. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I have one Michael Crabtree stat before we wrap up. Okay. Uh, I have the yards attained per target of the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 worst and least productive pass catchers from the 2018 season, courtesy of Football Perspective. And color me shocked, Joe, but John Ross is the least productive per target receiver in the NFL. Does that surprise you? Yeah, because I thought it would be Calvin Benjamin, but I'm... Well, Calvin <laughs> Benjamin ain't on this list, but. 
What? <laughs> there's there's okay. several there's a bunch of running backs involved. That's why their their per oh, yardage okay. target is they're getting short targets. There are right. four wide receivers on this list with over 100 targets, and we're one of the four or 15 least productive per target wide receivers or pass catchers in the NFL. They are John Ross. I'm sorry. Per, if it's 100 targets and it's wide receivers, there's only two. Jarvis Landry, who had 149 targets for 976 yards, which is 6.5 yards per target. And Michael Crabtree, who had 100 targets for 607 yards, 6.07 yards per target. So of receivers that have 100-plus targets, Michael Crabtree is the second least productive wide receiver in the NFL this year. It's bad. It's not great. Yeah. Not great. Folks, we hope you enjoyed the series. We had a blast making it. Uh, We are going to be working through some ideas for a new series uh, beginning next week. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, uh, we have Takes on Takes next Tuesday. Make sure you tweet at us with the hashtag Takes on Takes and the hot take you would like us to respond to on the show. Uh, we are running shows on Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash the draft network. So you guys can interact with us, asking us questions as we are recording. We've had a lot of fun with it. Hope you guys join us. Please hit subscribe. Please hit subscribe on this podcast. We have seen a massive influx in the month of January on our listener base, which we are very thankful for. Please keep coming back. I'm Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening to Draft Dudes Podcast, and we hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.